0: Amen. I consider turn to Romans fourteen. I consider this message today probably the most important message I've ever preached at Christian Center Church. A few days ago I was uh had turned on social media on Facebook and my favorite church was streaming a service in the middle of the day, and it wasn't a regular church service day. And uh, so I was curious, so I clicked on it, and I began to watch it. And what I discovered is a young man who I did their wedding ceremony probably about 10 years ago, Um, he passed away. And it was the funeral service of this young man. so these last few days I've really been thinking about this right here. And I got good news and I got bad news this morning. How many want to hear the bad news? The bad news is we're all going to die. You say, Pastor, be positive. I will be. I'm positive that we're all going to go by the way of the grave. Are you listening to your pastor this morning? But I have good news in that Jesus Christ paid a way for you to live eternally with him. And my message this morning, and the reason I say it's probably the most important message I've ever preached, is, bless you, is because my main duty as a pastor isn't to wow you theologically. It isn't to entertain you necessarily. It's not to get you all fired up, even though that's part of it. It's not necessarily any of those things that go into pastoring. But my job as a pastor is to prepare you for eternity. And the concern that I have, and this is a very deep concern of mine, is that a lot of people aren't prepared for the next stage that we will all face one day, and that is to stand before the throne of God and give account for everything that we did. Everything. And one of my main duties as a pastor, how many like to know what's on the test before you ever take the test? Isn't that? Let me ask you this. How many many good test takers do we have in here this morning? You're just good at taking tests. Wow, about 12 of you. Praise God. Because the rest of us don't like the good test takers because you guys always ruin the curve for us in school. I mean, I consider myself to be way above average intelligence, just borderline genius. I see the people that know me best are laughing the hardest right now. But I just wasn't a good test taker. I just wasn't good at going. For some reason, i just go. A lot of it was multiple choice. And I guess all the way back in high school, I still had a pastor's heart, even though I wasn't following the Lord. And I felt bad just picking one. I'm like, man, B looks good, but I hate to leave D alone over here. I I don't want... So I just fill all of them in, bless God. I just... And it ruined me on tests. But I discovered something uh, in high school that really helped me. And it's amazing to me that my parents didn't realize that my grade point average went from like a 2.0 to a 3.5 in my sophomore year for one important reason... I realized that I had older brothers that had already taken the same classes that I had. And realizing this helped me tremendously for one simple reason. It helped me because they had the tests that I was going to take. And you can imagine trying to get these out of my brothers. I mean, I had two older brothers, and it was like, sure, if you clean my room, I'll give you the test that you're about to take. Or don't tell mom that I did X, Y, and Z, you know. And and in high school, I don't know about you, but our midterms were all written in grades. We'd take it from class to class and they'd write the grade in. Yeah. That's tough because that D really wanted to become a B with the stroke of an ink pen from a 14-year-old boy. Anybody else follow me? Yeah. You're like, man, that D, That uh, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with my parents, so I changed a lot of grades. But my point, Is simple yet it's very powerful for my illustration this morning. Is church if you know the questions that are going to be asked in eternity, then you will be prepared in life now for entering into eternity. And it's the reason I say that it's probably the most important sermon that I've ever preached right here at Christian Center Church because as your pastor, I want you prepared for. Eternity. And my title this morning is two books. Everybody say two books books. and two two questions. That's where we're going to focus this morning. So let me pray for just a minute and ask the Holy Spirit to help me and to help you receive this word. Dear Heavenly Father, as always, God, we just come before you and we ask for your help. We ask the helper, the Holy Spirit, to come and just settle in this room. Father, I bind every distraction. I bind everything that the enemy would try to shoot arrows and just distract people in this next few minutes and moments, but that, God, we take the seriousness of the fact that we will stand before you one day very seriously today, understanding that it's not out of fear, but it's out of a great love that we come to you and ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts and change our lives. Anything that's said of Jason Hanks, God, I pray it would fall by the wayside, but whatever is said under the unction of the Holy Spirit, let it go into the hearts of these people, and change them for eternity. Amen. Look at Romans 14. If you got your phone, if you have an iPad, if you got your book, great. How many has eyelids? You got some eyelids? Cool. Because we're going to put it right up here. Steve, if you would go ahead and put that because I want to break this down and I want to teach you today on a very important subject of what are the two books and the two questions that we are going to face going into eternity. Verse 10, you then, why do you, what's going on here in the context of this scripture is the church people were fighting. Imagine that, right? The church people were fighting amongst themselves. So Paul writes to the church and he says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? So then he flips the script a little bit and he says, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. That is a reality this morning of my life and your life is that we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Go ahead and go to the next verse for me, please. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. Can I tell you something this morning, church? Every knee is going to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ one day every tribe, tongue, and nation, every single person, every different religion. It's like an aha moment that is being described here in Romans that says there's an aha where they say he really is the son of God. There's that aha moment. Go ahead and go to the next verse. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I've entitled this today, two books and two questions. Say it again, two books and two questions. Here's my point of talking about test-taking. Here's my point in talking about preparation for what is ahead. There are many of us who don't know what is going to be on God's test. And because we aren't testing very well, it made all the difference in the world for me to know what the, what the questions and answers were going to be right before I ever took the test. So the scripture here is saying that we will all have an appointed time to stand before God and you are preparing today for that appointment that you have in the future. The word of God tells us that we are are all appointed. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. That's what the Bible teaches. Some of you need to lighten up just a little bit because this is going to help you. Everybody say, help me, Lord. I mean, some of you are like the man who went to heaven, and when he got there, there's all these clocks on the wall. And he asked St. Peter, he said, St. Peter, what's all these clocks on the wall for? And he said, well, those are time clocks, and every time somebody sends, it ticks one minute ahead. So he got to looking at them more closely, and he said, well, this one's standing still. And Peter said, well, that's Billy Graham's clock. <laughs> he said, well, that one just moved just a little bit, but it hadn't moved much. He said, well, that's Mother Teresa's clock. He said, well, I have to ask you, where's my clock? He said, well, Peter said, well, we put it in the office for a fan. (laughs) So when we talk about heavy subject, it's it's okay to laugh because I've got good news for you this morning. You can be prepared to stand before God. A lot of us are preparing in the wrong way because we don't know what the question is going to be when we finally stand before him. Can I tell you something this morning? I'm going to let you in on the questions, and I'm going to let you in on the books. How many are excited about that this morning? Amen. Here's what you need to know. A lot of people don't know this, so I'm going to teach you a little bit, okay? Our next is Revelation 20. If you turn there, we're also going to have it on the screen. Revelation 20, we're going to go there next. Let me give you a little theology from God's Word today. Is that okay? Yes. There are two judgments in Scripture. Everybody say two judgments. The first is what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. To make it simple for you, the great white throne judgment that is described in the Bible, this is the everybody judgment. This is the judgment where everybody is gathered together from Adam and Eve all the way up until the last person. This is everybody is gathered together on that day. It's the everybody judgment. So, but I want to show you some details from the scripture from Revelation 20. If you're there, say amen. Go ahead and go to that. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. That's Jesus. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. That's just a fancy way of saying this morning that time ends and everybody who has ever lived will be gathered before. The they, Theologians are so fancy and deep, they call it the great white throne judgment because it's a great white throne. <laughs> I mean, Pretty simple but pretty heavy too. Go to the next scripture for me. And I saw the dead, that's spiritually dead, mind you, great and small, so this is everybody, standing before the throne. And books, everybody say books, were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Wow. Here's what you may be missing reading this. There are two books. Everybody say two books. One is in the plural, and the other is in the singular. Are you following me so far this morning? When Revelation 20 points out that when we're all gathered together, and again, it's appointed unto man once to die, we all will pass by the way of the grave. It's, it's good to keep those things in mind, because if we keep those things in mind, church, we are preparing for the most important day of your life, which is the day you will stand before God in eternity. And what the books means here is this. This side, everybody look this way. There are books, books on one side, and the Bible says, go to the next scripture for me, Steve, if we have one. And there's a book on the other side. Are you tracking with me? So there's books, and there's book. And on one side is the books, listen to me, of everything that you have ever done in your entire life. How many know that's a sobering thought? When I was a freshman in high school, I think there's about four volumes written during just that one year long period in my life. It's a sobering thought because the Bible very clearly tells us there's nothing done in secret. There's nothing that is hidden from God. There's nothing. He sees all. He knows all. And heaven keeps really, really, really good records. So on one side you have books of everything that has ever been done, said, secret, not secret, the times that you got angry, the times that you did anything. There's books, but can I tell you what the Bible says that is on the other side? The content that we see here is undeniable, but let me just give you... A little bit of liberty and myself liberty to talk about that particular day because on that side you have recorded everything that you've ever done and on this side you have what is called the lamb's book of life and can I take a little bit of liberty and just say that what I believe is recorded in the lamb's book of life is everything that Jesus Christ did because Jesus Christ walked this earth sinless and spotless and he never got angry and he never sinned and all the temptation that he faced he conquered it and he overcame it and he went to the cross and the lamb's book of life has a recording of everything that he did and i believe at the very back of it the reason it's called the lamb's book of life is i think at the end of it there's an index in the index are the names of those who have been written in this book And over in these books is everything that you have ever done. So the question that oftentimes we say and ask ourselves is what is the question that God is going to ask of us when we get to heaven? Everybody say, tell me the question so that I'll know the answer. The reason this is so incredibly important is because, again, I don't believe that a lot of people are preparing in this way. Because when he gets... When you get to heaven, this is the question that's going to be asked. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? That's the question that is going to be asked. What did you do with my son? And the the reality is is God is giving you a choice whether to be judged out of the books or rather to be judged out of the book. Are you following me this morning? Because if God gives you a choice, everybody says, well, God must be really mad because he sends people to hell. Can I tell you this morning, God does not send people to hell. What the reality theologically is, is that sin must be paid for. Sin must be paid for. So the question that you're going to be asked when you stand before God is whose tab is this going to go on? Are you going to put it on your tab? Are you following me? Do you want the the books open or do you want the book open? Are you tracking with me this morning? Because in other words, God has a simple question that we miss a lot of times when we read through the Bible. And the simple question is simply this. Do you want to have to pay because sin deserves a payment? Jesus Christ did not go to the cross and hang there to make some kind of a show of God's power or certainly God's love even though it showed that. He came to pay a price and God's question to all of us is do you want to pay for this yourself or do you want somebody else to pay for it? How many know that it's wonderful when somebody else pays for something for you? Amen? We miss this question because we aren't preparing in that way. How do I know this? Go to our next scripture there, Steve and Matthew. You say, how do you know that people are going to get this wrong? Jesus said himself in Matthew 7:21. read it with me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> You say, well, that's heavy this morning. It's reality. It's reality that not, what are they saying? Not every, this concerns me because at one time in my life, track with me, at one time in my life, I was told all that you have to do is pray a prayer and walk an aisle and you're on your way to heaven. Can I tell you something this morning? I know we're preparing wrong because the word of God is very clear that Jesus says, wait, back up for just one second. Because not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Go to the next verse. That scares me. That first word right there alerts me. When I read scriptures like this, I understand. Everybody say many. Many. I don't know how many, but that's a lot. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not track with me? It's the question that you're going to be asked. Do you want to be judged out of the books or do you want to be judged out of the book? And the reason that it concerns me and we're preparing wrong is because let me put this in present-day language instead of the language that it was written in then because they gave a whole list of all the things that they did. Are you tracking? Here's what... Let me put it in present-day language. Lord, Lord, didn't I go to Christian Center Church? Lord, didn't I sing some songs about you? Lord... Didn't I, I read a book about you. Lord, I, didn't I give in the offering occasionally? Go to the next verse. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I got good news for you today. Great news. The question that you are going to be asked on the day of eternity isn't how many great things that you did, the question that you're going to be asked is, did you lay your entire life down to Jesus Christ? Are you tracking with me? Okay, let me clear something up. Here it says plainly, I never knew you. Understand that it is not about the religious works that you do. It's about the genuine relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. It's about the genuineness of your love and your life completely laid down for him. My testimony is very, very different than my wife's testimony. My wife's testimony, if you've never heard it, and I asked her if I could share this with everybody, but my wife's testimony is simply this. She was raised in a pastor's home. She was raised literally, literally the weekend after she was born. She was in church. And I would, I would guess to say, being a pastor's daughter, she probably never missed a church service for years and years and years. And Leah's testimony is simply this. In her early 20s, her testimony was that she was probably playing church, and my testimony was I was running from church, but both are equally as bad. Are you tracking with me? Because if you are relying, and many people do it, but God, don't I do this, and God, don't, listen to me, none of those things are wrong. I mean, come on, are you hearing what I'm saying without hearing what I'm saying? Coming to church and, and getting into your Bible and, and, and singing to God and worshiping to God Is the crux of a relationship with him, but some people are relying on the external without ever letting it get into the internal and making his kingdom the focus and everything that it goes on in your life is centered around loving him and serving him and laying your life down for him. My testimony was completely different. Completely different. I ran from God. I was one of those all or nothing people. Is anybody else in here just (laughs) a all or nothing? and i was either going to be all in i would you know i had a grandfather that was a pastor i had a grandfather that you know would come through our town he oversaw churches later on in his life so we'd go to services and i was one of those ones that ran from god because i knew i knew deep in my heart that god wasn't going to ask me for half of jason hanks he was going to ask for all of jason hanks come on that's a revelation some of you need to have is that god is asking For all of you. Because he gave himself all of himself. And listen. It wasn't those church services that I went to. That I was relying on. I got into a service. With people. And I never experienced this before. They were lifting their hands. And they were singing out exuberantly. And they were passionate for God. And listen. At first I thought it was a cult. Come on. I did. It scared me to death. These people are. But listen to me, I saw they had something that I didn't have. What was it? I didn't come to Jesus because I came and heard a sermon. I came to Jesus because I experienced people who really, truly knew him, who really, truly had a passion and and a drive to them that it wasn't about just coming to church every week. It was about a relationship that they had with a risen Savior. Do you understand that the question on that day isn't how many good things or bad things that you did? The question is, did you really lay your life down for my son who laid his life down for you? Do you understand that's the answer to the question? The question is, what did you do with my son? In church, the reason that it's so important is because a lot of times our external can be what we rely on when God wants to get to the inside. You want to know how you change and you grow in Christ? It's getting him in here, not trying to affect things out there. heard a story one time, and just bear with me. heard a story one time of a fire up in Chicago. And this fire up in Chicago was a, was a large, like, 40-story building, and it was a housing project. And by virtue of the big fire, and they had to call in fire departments from all over the area and even out of the county had to come in. It was a big blaze. They were fighting it. So all these people had gathered outside while these firefighters were fighting. This lady comes running out of the building. She says, my baby, my baby, my baby's still inside. So a firefighter puts his gear on, and he goes running in that building. She said, you know, he's up on like the 15th floor. So the smoke is so thick that he had to go, counting the floors, each one he'd get to, he'd count up. And the smoke was so thick through the hallway that he had to get down on his hands and knees because, as we know, smoke rises in buildings when they're on fire. Just a little side tip, if you're ever in a building, get low. Come on. Get down here. So they, he gets along, and he, he's, he gets up, and he's feeling the numbers on the door, and he finally feels the number of the apartments she said on the such-and-such such floor. He gets into the room... He sees down low there's four crib feet right down here low. He makes his way to the crib and he picks up and he puts inside of his jacket and he begins to make his way out. He counts his way down. He comes, and literally, this is like Hollywood movie stuff. Look it up. It's amazing. As soon as he busts out the door, there's a huge crowd there and they're all cheering because they see the big lump in his jacket and the building literally collapses behind him and the the mom is over the police caution tape, and she's screaming and hollering, and he walks over and he opens his jacket, and he had picked up a doll oh, no. in church, it looked like a baby, it had a dress, had night clothes on, had hair had all the listen it had all the look of being real. But there wasn't any life going on on the inside. Are you tracking with me? What God is looking for on that day isn't our list of the good things that we have done. He wants to know, have you really trusted his son for eternal life? Are you tracking with me? Because there will be books opened and I can tell you right now, I don't want the books of the life of Jason Hanks opened and say, I would like to pay for those, Lord God. I would, I would like to be the one who pays the price for that. Because, again, there is a price to be paid. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is, e- is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And you have books. And can I tell you this morning, thank God for the book. Thank God for the Lamb's book of life, church. Thank God that there was somebody who came that paid a price that you and I could not pay so that by obedience and by following him and by giving him your all and not talking about something that's outward, but this morning I'm talking about what is going on inside of your heart. Because many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, but didn't we? Best news I have for you this morning. Best news. But it's important that I say it. Because I know that there's a lot of people who rely on this. You can't save yourself. You can't do it. You can't save yourself. You say, man, that's not good news. Yes, it is. Because God sent forth his son. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. First question is, what did you do with my son? The moral of this story is simply this. You don't want to be judged on the books. Amen? Amen. You want to be judged on the book. You don't want heaven to be determined based on what you did. You want heaven to be determined based on what Jesus did. Amen? So question one, what did you do with my son? And he says plainly in verse 23, I never knew you. Can I tell you what salvation is? It's getting to know Jesus every single day of your life. Again, my wife's testimony up into her 20s. And when I say she was playing church, I don't don't say that flippantly or say it as any indictment. We talked about this. Privately, before I said, hey, Lee, I want to share this because I know deeply your testimony. Can I tell you? She was following all the outward things, but she'll tell you this. I hadn't fallen in love with Jesus. And it took that encounter, it took that place in her life where she finally said simply this, Jesus, there's areas of my life that I have not submitted to your lordship and it revolutionized her life. Can I tell you what's going to revolutionize your life isn't another church service. It's forming a deep abiding relationship with the spirit of God. You may be sitting there going, pastor, you're probably going to run. I saw some people just walk out just a minute ago. Can I tell you, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to stand before heaven, before God and him look at me and say, why didn't you tell them what I was going to ask them? He wasn't going to ask him how many times you attended church even though church is important. He's not going to ask were you baptized even though baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. But I think we're baptizing people who have not had the inner change that God is looking for. And this is so incredibly important. What? If you know what's going to be on the test, then you prepare differently. Are you following me? Your whole life takes on a whole new meaning. And it's completely different. God doesn't want the imitation. He wants your heart. The correct answer is this. You say, if he's going to say, what did you do with my son? Here's the correct answer. Lord, I gave you my life. Are you following me? Lord, I gave you my life. For others here today, there's another question that you'll be asked. Because... There are two judgments. Everybody say two judgments. For others here today, there's another question that's going to be presented and going to be asked of you. And you are in the Lamb's book of life. You have a deep abiding relationship with Jesus. You you say, "Lord, I give you my everything. I've laid it all down before you. I I receive your free gift." Everybody say free gift. Free gift. Every, Here's what he's going to ask you, because there's two judgment seats. There's the great white throne judgment, and then there's the judgment seat of Christ. There's two judgments. When you get to the second judgment, you are in. Amen? When you get to the second judgment, and some of you are like, hey, I just want in. I just I just want to get there. But there's a second question, and listen, This we call it judgment, but can I tell you what the Bible really describes it as? I'm going to tell you something that's going to make the Bible make probably 75% more sense than it ever has to you because most Christians don't know and understand that there's two judgment seats. Let me just ask that. Did you know that there's two judgment seats in the Bible? No? Most people don't. Listen, my point, if you don't know what's on the test You don't prepare accordingly for the test. Are you following me? I keep asking you that because I'm getting kind of blank stares. If you know that he's going to ask you one question, not all the stuff you did in the books, I don't want to be judged by that. (laughs) He wrote a book called Obedience, and by faith, and and we'll say, I've had people ask me. This just blows me away. And I think to myself, don't you know what the Bible teaches about this very subject? People ask me, well, brother, bless God. Hitch up my pants. (laughs) Bless God. Are you a grace church or are you a works church? I'm like, huh? I'm both. Because it's not. By works I'm saved, it's for good works that I'm saved. Because the question we fail to realize he's going to ask us when we get to the second judgment seat is this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? I say it makes the the Bible make a whole lot more sense because if you read it, it literally looks like there's two completely different narratives There's not two completely different narratives. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works not of yourself, lest any man should boast. You understand, that is the Lamb's book of life. That is putting your trust and faith in the finished work of the cross in Jesus Christ. But then it will go on to say, hey, do the works. Get out and witness to people. Get out and serve me. And we read that and people begin to think, well, if I do more stuff, then I'm made right with God. That is not the truth of the gospel. You're saved so that you can do the stuff. And you will be asked a second question, which is so critically important. What did you do with what I gave you? Do you understand we've all been given something to offer back to God? You say, I don't think so. I don't really have anything. God would not ask you a something of you that you did not already have. You're tracking with me. He wouldn't ask it of you. So, the second judgment seat, if we go ahead and put that up there, put our next passage up there. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, everybody, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That is not talking about the first judgment. Are you following me? That is the judgment seat of Christ. That is a reward ceremony for Christians and based, are you tracking, that is not the books. The books have been dealt with. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but we will stand before him. And can I tell you, why is this so important? Because it should encourage you to live your life in such a way that he is the main priority in everything you say, everything you do, because it's an encouragement all throughout the Bible. The question is, why is it all throughout the Bible? Because God encourages constantly, live your life in such a way that what you do on earth will be rewarded in heaven. It's the judgment seat of Christ. So important. So that's the second question that is presented to us. There's two different judgments. Listen, this doesn't determine heaven. It does determine how your heaven's going to be, though. Are you tracking? The second judgment seat will determine how your heaven is going to be, what it's like, and time after time after time. Simply this, once you find Jesus, make your life count. Make your life count. Look at Matthew 16, 27. Matthew 16, 27. Do we have that one, Steve? While while he's putting that up there. The very last verse of the Bible says this. He'll find it in just a second. The very last verse of the Bible says this, Behold, I come quickly with my reward in my hand. Do you understand that's that's the heart of God for us, is to serve and love him and lay everything down before him. that's eternal life. And then he'll give you assignments. He'll give you... Church, oftentimes you guys think that we get up here and we encourage you to get involved in whatever area for our benefit or for just the benefit of the church. Does it benefit the church? Absolutely, it does. But here's something I've learned about God, and I've learned it very clearly. God's will will be done. He is not going to leave his will undone. He will get it. I've learned this. He'll get it done. But there's a call that goes out to certain people, and there's a call that goes out to their heart. And God is offering opportunities so that when you get to this day that we're talking about You have something that God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Back up. This is not salvation. Salvation is trusting in him and him alone, not your own. I did this and I did that and I did this. I don't want those scales weighed out for me because I know on any given day I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have. You have. One of the worst things we could ever do is begin to think that by our own righteousness we could ever be pleasing to God. We are imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness. And then we begin to walk in righteousness. And and Paul made it clear in Galatians 3. He made it very clear to us. What has begun in the spirit do you think you can finish in the flesh? Heaven forbid that you think that you can finish in the flesh what God started in you by faith. How do you continue to grow? Everybody say by faith. But as you step out in faith, God is going to call you to ever greater areas of obedience. And he's going to call you to ever greater areas. Listen, here's a dirty word in the church. Is that okay? Are you guys okay this morning? Here's a dirty word in the church. Sacrifice. <gasps> because we've... God help us. I've been weeping over this for the last couple of days. We've made the gospel about what we can get out of it. When he made the gospel, understanding the question isn't going to be, boy, were you so blessed, and did you live your best life? His question is going to be, what did you do for my kingdom? And if your answer is, yeah, bless God, I got a bigger house and a nicer car, can I tell you, don't misunderstand, people who come here regularly know my heart. God wants you to enjoy your life. He does. He wants you to enjoy the blessings that he's blessed you with. But if your heart is, I can just get more and more and more and more for me and me and me and me and never step up and say, God, what is it that I need to do for your kingdom? You're going to stand here at this judgment seat. And can I tell you, your Pastor, my job is to prepare you for this moment. And I don't want you trying to find me somewhere behind you. My name hadn't been called yet. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. Billions of people will go before him one at a time, and then the ones that trusted in the Lamb's Book of Life and what he did will go on to the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be all these millions of people there. I don't want you turned around trying to find me. Can he come up here with me? Because he never told me this. No. I want you to know that in the kingdom, Sacrifice and taking up your cross daily and following Him is normal Christian life. We will not affect the world around us by just trying to get more. Listen, you are so blessed sitting here today. So blessed. And this isn't made to make you feel guilty. We live in the best country on the face of the earth, it's got its problems. We have some of the nicest things, and we're so blessed. I don't want to stand before him and him say, what, that's great. What did you do for my kingdom? What, what did you do for others? Let me make this really practical, super practical this morning. Let me give you three things, practical things that you can do on Monday morning that will make a difference. Here, here it is. If you want to know what the kingdom is about, the kingdom about is about making a difference in other people's lives. It's understanding of what he has gifted and given to us. And because of that gift, we then go out. And here's the first thing that God is going to ask you to make a difference in. Make a difference in the kingdom in your resources. Everybody say Resources. And when I said that, most of you that may be visiting here think, ah, he's going to take up an offering. No, I'm not. I'm not. Here's why. Because your resources are so much more than just your money. So much more than just your money. That's what we've done in the church. We've, we've kind of pared it all down to, well, if you're really obedient, then you drop something. If you notice here, we don't even take up an offering because that's between you and God. It is your resources, God will never ask you for something that he has not already placed within your hand. Amen. He won't do it. You can be assured. You can, if you get to heaven and stand before him and say, well, pastor said, you can say I said that. He's listening right now anyway. He won't do it. The problem is, and this is the, this is the crux of it, is if we defeat selfishness because we're living for another kingdom, then we understand that our resources are much more than just the money we have in our bank account. Your resources may be you're gifted as a musician. Can I tell you, God wants you to use that for his glory. You may be gifted at just being an outgoing, talkative person. You can use that for his glory. I'm not talking about just in the confines of the church. I'm talking about everywhere you go, you understand that every place that you put your foot down is for the kingdom of God. So your life just doesn't become about me, 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 me. It becomes about lifting up your eyes and understanding you can make a difference in other people's lives with the resources that God has given you. I mean, we understand this, especially when you go out to a restaurant or something. Some waitress or waiter may just be having an absolutely horrible bad day can I tell you what you can give? You have a resource of God's kindness and love that you can look at them and just say, look, you may have a resource where if you go out to eat this week and you just run across some young person that really seems like they're struggling, leave them a big honking tip. Well, some of you are more classy than I am. Leave a genuine genuine gratuity. Let's put it that way. (laughs) you are like, honking tip? What's a honking tip? That's what we say in Louisiana. Big honking tip. You have something in your hand that God, again, we don't stand up here and present to you things that you can get involved in because if we have the attitude, well, God just must really need me, no, God wants to bless you. And you may walk through your life and say, I ain't really that blessed. Can I tell you, if you're living in the United States of America, you've got a roof over your head and you've got food in your, you are blessed. And you're blessed to be a blessing. When we're on the mission field, I'm not preaching something to you that myself and this woman sitting right up here on this front row have not lived out. My salvation and my fact that I kneeled my kneeled down one day, February of 1997, and I said, "God, I get I, I, I. here here was my thing, and you guys will." You guys will understand this. Many of you have the same testimony. I didn't think there was anything in Jason Hanks that God would even want. So at that moment in time, he was taking a whole lot of bad from the book. Amen? Leah's was a whole lot of good. A whole lot of good. I mean, if you just take the book and say, man, Leah went to church every Sunday. She obeyed her parents. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. She didn't run around. But it's on the the book is on the same side of the pile. Are you are you tracking with me? And when I realized I didn't have anything to give him, I was so wrong because I said, Lord, I don't really have anything to give you, but I will give you this. I'll give you my life. Do with me whatever you want to do. Here's the thing about God, He took me seriously. And I've shared this testimony, but I feel in this moment to share this because I think this will get through to you in this moment. I had built, I, my dream was always to have a landscape design company. I had been doing landscape design work for another company. And I even looked at it at the time like, God, you did this. No one can work and pay off all their equipment in the first year of opening a business and to do all these things. So in that first year, my business was going well, and I, and I attributed it to God. I said, God, you did this. God, this, what a blessing. Long story, I even had a partner that was going to come in that second year. He was doing, when he would do a landscape design, some of the jobs were three and $400,000 landscape jobs. Huge. He was bringing his crews. I had the equipment. I sat in a car one day, and listen to me. When I got saved, I wanted everybody else to get saved. And as foolish as I was, can I tell you, can I tell you this morning, That's normal. It's really normal if you understand heaven and hell. Can I, there's a hell? There is. There's a judgment seat, the great white throne judgment. And we should want everybody to know who our God is. And I was sitting in the car with the guy that was gonna go in partnership. He wasn't saved. I remember I locked the doors in the car. Well, he had a lock. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. He could have just walked out. I'm like, click. He looks at me like, Well, what's about the like rich? His name is Rich Martin. You can look him up. He's still a landscape designer, architect in Columbus, Ohio. Don't get on and be weird. Like, did you get saved? Don't do that. I locked him in. I said, Rich, you need to get saved. Yeah, and he starts to tell me, again, you know where somebody's at because when they start to tell you all the religious stuff, you know where they are. And some of you have been relying on your religious stuff more than you have in faith in the finished work of Christ. And I sat there and talked to him, and he said, I said, Rich, I don't know what to do because I feel like God is calling me into the ministry, and I feel like he's sending me away to go to Bible school. And an unsaved, unknowing Jesus man sat in the passenger seat of the truck I was in, and he said, doesn't it say that you can't serve God and mammon? God spoke to me. And I laid everything. I'm not I'm not telling you something that I haven't lived this morning. I'm telling you that is the natural Christian life. Now don't come back to me next week and say, Pastor, I sold my house. Where do I live? Don't just stop. 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 Can I live in your bed? Yeah. You have an extra room? You told me. Here it is. That was what God in obedience was calling me to do in that moment. And the beauty about God and the reason why there's not two different narratives of trying to say work, 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 and then you get into heaven. It's you get into heaven based on him, and then everything you do from that moment on is a life of obedience because he said, not even a cup of cold water given in the Lord's name goes without a prophet's reward. God's end game is to reward you in heaven. And Paul said, Eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, nor has entered into the mind of man what God has in store for those who love him. Nothing. You can't even begin to imagine what God has in store for those who are obedient to what he's called to do. Lee, I think God may be calling us back to the mission field. I feel it. I feel it. This is my obedience right here. This is. And the reason I say it's one of the most important messages that I've ever preached to this congregation is because a lot of people are preparing wrong. A lot of people are preparing based on what the question that they're going to get asked. We think the question is, how many good works did you do? That's not the question. Because if you want to rely on that, God's God's basically going to say this, well, whose tab do you want all that to go on? (laughs) I don't want it to go on my tab. I want it to go on his, amen? And that's your choice. So in a practical way, you have resources, and God is looking for you to make a difference in the kingdom of God with the resources that you have. Some, for some of you in here, it may be your finances. You just may need to be obedient in that area. Here's a second one. God wants you to make a difference with your time. Everybody say Time. time. Whether you can play a guitar or you have a large bank account really isn't the question when it comes to the second one because we all have time. We all have time that we can give in bringing the gospel to other people. We absolutely do. We all get the same amount of time in a day. And as I said in the beginning, and it wasn't just to bring a heaviness, even though I can sense it a little bit in this room right now, wasn't to bring a, a heaviness, but to go back and remind you of how I started. In 100 years, all new people, all new people, we're all going I think people live their life. They do. They live their life like, I, you know, I got forty more years. You don't know that. If anything struck me upside the head is watching a a funeral service of. Is he right at our age, right, Leah? He married somebody a little bit younger. The Beatle. Our age. His wife's a little bit younger. I, I, again, I did their wedding ceremony ten years ago. That dawned on me, Leah. And here he he is on the other side everybody's going to go to the other side. And when you go, you will give an account at the judgment seat of Christ, and you are going to give an account. And the question is simply this, what did you do with what I gave you? Because we are called stewards of what God has blessed us with. And you're blessed. The one thing, and I I started bringing up the mission field for a reason, and the Holy Spirit just brought it back to my mind. And we're getting ready to close here in just a minute. When we bring people in the mission field, that was our ministry. We would bring teams. So any given week, 30, 40, 50, even sometimes upwards of 100 people would come from all over the United States. You'd have 20 people from Minnesota. You'd have 15 from Pennsylvania. You'd have six from Florida. You'd have eight from California. We even had people from the United Kingdom fly in, and we'd pick them up. We would lead them through a week of evangelism. And it was amazing, especially teenagers. It was probably the best because we worked in garbage dumps, with medical and dental and all these different things. And it was literally, when I say garbage dump, I mean on the trash, not like near the trash or it was two blocks away. In and on, these people lived there, and they made their living picking out the trash, what they could to try to make a living. So we went in there and ministered to them. And at the end of a week, it was amazing because teenagers especially would just be so broken and just be so 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 overwhelmed because they realized everything that they had been blessed with and how selfish that they were do you understand one of the hardest things for us as american christians is to combat selfishness with our resources and our time and thirdly you can make a difference by sharing jesus with other people you say boy that's awfully practical it's meant to be practical because when you really meet him when you really get changed by him when you really understand of how much you have been forgiven of the bible's very clear Those who are forgiven much, love much. Love much. And when that love is deposited in your heart, when that love is something that's at the very forefront of everything that you say and you do, you can't help but go out from there. Can I tell you, if the church... Our church, the church, universal, would just begin to just simply. And listen, you don't have to have a theological degree to show somebody because they don't really know, want to know how deep you are in the word. They want to know there's a God who loves them and cares about them. And when you meet people, if you put in the forefront of your mind, they've got an appointment just like I've got an appointment because we're all going to stand at that one judgment. Everybody, everybody that's ever lived, from Adam and Eve on, everybody is going to stand there. So you meet people and you understand they have a, a, an appointment at the judgment seat just like you do. And they're going to be asked the same question that you're going to be asked. What did you do with my son Jesus Christ? Stand with me this morning. Your resources, your time. Again, I try to be Practical. There's two judgments, and there's two books, and there's two questions. Bow your heads with me this morning. Go ahead and put us back in a worship mode. Alexis, Tammy, if you guys would come. Again, the most serious message, most important message, serious, important message that I think I've ever preached, but I knew that I knew. That this was the direction to go. This has been heavy on my heart lately. That I want you to know that you know that you know. Not to rely on your church attendance or your giving or how many songs you sing. Those are all, listen, those are all outflow of a heart that has been completely changed by God. You say, how do I know if my heart's been changed? Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus very clearly told us. He talked to the Pharisees. He talked to religious people. He said, you're so worried about the outside of the cup, and God's worried about the inside of the cup. And I believe a message like this, without any question in my mind, uh, a message like this deserves a response of you coming out from where you are and making your way up to this altar. And you may say, "I, I, I know that I've known him but I've just walked away for a period of time. I want you to come up here and rededicate your life to God. You may say, I don't know him, and I don't know that I can answer that question. When I stand before him, I don't know if I can answer that. As they play, I just want to invite you to come around this altar as a symbol today that you are laying everything. He is going to be your life. He is going to be your everything. You're not going to play games with God anymore. You're not going to be in and out and lukewarm and sitting on the fence today you are making a commitment that God you are my everything and I lay it all down to you again I think it's appropriate if you can just come up here and get on your knees I'm telling you right now your pastor's on his knees because there's areas of my life church that I just I know aren't in obedience to him and it's not on purpose it's just life just gets so in the way sometimes Just come up here and make this a moment between you of God, of repentance. Because we will all stand before him. We will all stand. We have an appointment. We have an appointment. And make sure that you are ready. This today isn't to scare you. It's to tell you the truth of God's word. I take this so seriously, this moment right here. Because if you leave out of here and your heart is not right with God, I can't tell you that we will ever see you again. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Church service about a year after I got saved, and there was these two young men right there in the church service, and the altar call went forth, and there were probably 75 people that went up, and they sat in the back, and they... Played and they did this, and their hearts weren't right with God. I knew it. The Holy Spirit told me they weren't. So I went over to them and I said, "Guys, Jesus is calling you." It, I felt such a such an unction in my spirit to go to them and witness to them personally. And they did, they 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 said, "No, we don't want anything to do with that." The very next day, both of them drowned in a tragic boat accident. Listen to me: if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, if He's wooing you and pulling you, do not ignore the voice of the Lord. The Bible's clear. to... It, When he speaks, do not harden your heart, but come to this altar and lay it all down before him. Make him your everything today. Make him your everything today. Guys, if you would just play. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. Two things. Heard the Lord just whisper something simple to me, and that's pleased. He's pleased with your response to the wooing of the Holy Spirit, that he is drawing you. And then the other thing that came to my mind, and I want to say this, is Jesus gave a very clear parable in his word. So There were two men at a prayer meeting, and I'm paraphrasing here mightily. It's two men at a prayer meeting. He said, the one man stood before the temple and stood before God, and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not a woman I thank you that I'm not like this man over here and I thank you I'm not like this one over there and I thank you that I'm not and he said the second man stood humbly before God and he tore his garment and he wept to God and he said God have mercy on me a sinner Jesus said which one left there justified and the answer today is the one that humbled themselves and said God have mercy on me a sinner. God desires to have mercy on you and desires for you to have a close, not religion, but he wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And the entry door into that relationship is humbling yourself before the side of the Lord and he will lift you up. The entryway into that is just humbling humbly before God like many are doing and I know many of you are doing right there where you are and it's just saying God cleanse everything in me here's why this is so important and what the Holy Spirit's speaking to me right back there he reminded me of over the last five years of four different times that he has had me preach this type of message and every single time he just reminded me every time We've seen a breath and a fresh wind blow through and bring refreshing to this congregation and bring new life and bring new growth and bring people refocused back on his kingdom and refocus back on him. you have to understand these are the type of sermons that I weep over because I know there will be people walk out of here and you never heard a word that I said and the Holy Spirit never got through to what I was saying. But for those of you who allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to you today, including my own heart, trust me. God wants to say to you, you've come, you've asked for his mercy, you've you've thrown yourself down upon him. That is what a Christian life is all about. Amen. Lift your hands with me today. I want to bless you. I want to bless you as your pastor. If nobody's told you they love you today, your pastor loves you. He loves you enough to tell you the truth is what he loves you. You online, I know we got got many online that couldn't make it today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this congregation. Father, may they be blessed going in and blessed going out. May they be blessed at work and may they be blessed in their homes. Father, I pray that, Lord God, your face would turn towards them, shine upon them, and, Father, smile upon them and give them peace and give them rest. Father, I ask your blessings upon the obedience that we feel in our hearts today, just to come before you and say, God, have mercy on us. Lord, we know deep in our hearts that there's still areas that we need to present to you. God, I pray that what has begun in faith right here today in repentance will be completed by the day of Jesus Christ. You are the author and the finisher of our faith, God. At times, we need to just come before you in honesty and say, Lord, We want to live our lives fully for you. So today as we leave here, may our mind and our heart be in unity and focused upon the kingdom of God and his Christ and show us how we can make a difference, Lord, in the world around us. For God, we know that is what is going to, to, Father, bless you and bless others. God, we love you today, and we praise and glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed, blessed. Have a good week. We have prayer tomorrow night at 6.30 if you can join us. We have prayer before service on Sunday mornings. And we have Wednesday night service this week if you're able to come. Thank you for being with us. And if you're visiting, thank you.